Hello, everyone. First of all, I'd like to apologize for the late um, time frame of getting this summary out. It's been a crazy couple of weeks, and I'm going to go ahead and, and skip over one of the summaries and jump right into what we looked at last Wednesday night, which I believe was the 6th, um, November 6th. We took a look again, once again, took a look at Revelation chapter 20, and I'm going to read a little bit of Revelation 20 for us to, to set up what we're going to take a look at tonight. Um, and first of all, the information uh, that, that I'm going to be presenting tonight comes from the view, viewpoint of, of Dr. Shane Wood, and he has a really good approach to this particular subject. Uh, again, I'm going to be reading from Revelation chapter 20, first of all, the first three verses, and then verses 7 through 10. Then I saw an angel coming down from heaven, holding the key of the abyss and the great chain in his hand. And he laid hold of the dragon, the serpent of old, who is the devil, and Satan, and bound him for a thousand years. And he threw him into the abyss and shut it and sealed it over him, so that he would no longer deceive the nations. Until the thousand years were completed. After these things, he must be released for a short time. And then down to verse 7. When the thousand years are completed, Satan will be released from his prison and will come out to deceive the nations which are in the four corners of the earth, Gog and Magog, to gather them together for the war. The number of them is like the sand of the seashore. And they came upon the broad plain of the earth and surrounded the camp of the saints and the beloved city, and fire came down from heaven and devoured them. And the devil who was deceived was thrown into the lake of fire and brimstone, where the beast and the false prophet are also. And they will be tormented day and night forever and ever. What we're going to take a look at at this time, and what we looked at last Wednesday night, was the release of Satan. And the question must be asked, why, why is Satan to be released? If you have this great battle and he's bound, what is the point of him being released? Now, if you look at the premillennialist as well as the amillennialist views, both of these views kind of um, struggle a little bit uh, to place this release of Satan, when, when, it, will, when it will take place. Um, we're going to look at a little bit different view of the release of Satan. And rather than looking at the timing of the event, we're going to look at the details of the release itself. First of all, um, we're going to look at some overlooked details in the passage of Scripture we just read. All right, I'm going to ask for a little bit of help from you um, and get your Bibles open to, to Revelation 20. First of all, look at verses 1 through 3. Um, first of all, what does the angel do? Um, the angel binds and imprisons Satan. Um, and what does the angel use? Well, if you look closely, you'll see that the angel uses a key as well as a chain. Now, this chain, this word in the Greek is not used very much in the New Testament. It is used in Acts 12, 7, and that's when Peter is miraculously released from prison. And you see that the chain can also be interpreted as shackles um, on someone's hands and feet or chains on their hands and feet. And what it's referring to is a binding of, of an imprisonment type of nature. So we got that taking place in chapter 20, verses 1 through 3. Now look at chapter 20, verse 7. And the question is, what action is undone? And if you look at that verse, you will see that Satan is released from his prison in the abyss, 
but you don't read anything whatsoever about an undoing of the other action, and that was the binding of Satan by the chain. There's nothing mentioned to it whatsoever. Another thing about this to take a close look at, these overlooked details, go back to verse 3 again, and it says something very specific about Satan being released. And if you look closely, it says that he must be released. Now, this must, um, this word in the original in the original language it was written in, in Greek, um, it carries within it a context of divine necessity, or another word we kind of put on that um, is fate. Um, and this is something we have to understand. Satan did not break out of prison. He was released from prison. He was released, here's the other thing, still bound. The chains are still on him. And he was released to march across the earth by God's plan and God's purpose. It is God who decreed that Satan must be released. And the question is, why? Why would God do this? Now, um, S.J. Haifman comes up with a a viewpoint that that Dr. Wood kind of runs with, and it's a very good and it's a very interesting viewpoint. And what it has to do with is coming something from the first century, first, second, third centuries, there there was a practice in the Roman Empire called Roman triumph. And this was just not a title of the winning of a battle or something like that. It was actually an event um, that would we would probably call a, a, a celebratory parade or something like that. And S.J. Haifman says this about this Roman triumph um, ceremony or parade. He said it was the most important and well-known political religious institution of the early centuries A.D. And basically what this amounts to, um, in class I read from from Dr. Wood's book, page 185, and basically describing what this Roman triumph was. Um, and in this Roman triumph, what you have is this great big procession where you have generals of the army, you have supporters of the army, or you would even also have the general who was involved in some great battle and some victorious battle. And this would all take place, and at the very end of this parade or processional, you would have the Roman emperor himself. Now, what is really interesting is what would come right before the Roman emperor would be the prisoners of war. Not just the prisoners of war. Many of the um, Oh, should I say less important prisoners of war would be um, either killed in battle or they would be sold into slavery. But the more important prisoners of war, whether it be officials or generals or something like that from a conquered um, battlefield, uh, they would be paraded in front of the emperor to go to the to the front of 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 the Colosseum of the podium, and there they would be executed before the people. And that's kind of a brutal thing, but it's something that took place many, many times in the Roman society. And while they were marched in front of the emperor, you guessed it, what were they wearing? They were shackled and they were wearing chains. Now, if you look at chapter 19, verses 11 through 16, I'll give you a moment just to open that up. Revelation 19, 11 through 16, and go ahead and read those verses. I'll give you just a moment. Okay, hopefully um, you hit the pause button and hit it again and you're back. Um, In those verses uh, depicting a great battle, what is missing? 
Um, you have uh, the great conqueror dressed um, in riding on a white horse and um, dressed in royal robes. Um, that's right from the picture of this Roman triumph. And, and then you have, as well as that, you have the other supporting members from the army dressed in white. That's something that's right out of the Roman triumph. And I understand I didn't read that for you out of Dr. Wood's book, so you just have to take my word for it that that's there. So a lot of these details from a Roman triumph you see contained in chapters 19 verses 11 through 16, but there's something missing there. What is missing is the emperor to conclude the procession. Now what you see is in the end of chapter 20 is the emperor shows up and that is God himself. And guess what is in front of the emperor? The chief enemy leader marched in chains in front of the emperor who would be Satan. So from this viewpoint, which I think is very interesting, it's this. The release of Satan was not preparation for some final great battle. Matter of fact, if you look at the end of chapter 20, there is no battle at all. Satan gathers these armies and then fire comes down from heaven from God and destroys them. Um, so the release of Satan is not preparation for some great final battle. The battle is finished in chapter 19. The release of Satan in reality will be a march of humiliation along with his fellow captives, and it will lead to the judgment seat. And that is the picture of the release of Satan. Why is he released? Because he's a defeated foe, a defeated enemy that will be humiliated and judged and punished eternally. Interesting viewpoint. I really like it personally. Um, and it is just a viewpoint, uh, but it's one that seems to make sense to me. Uh, tonight, it is Wednesday, um, November 13th, and tonight we have um, Jumi September, and he's going to be coming to, uh, or September, I should say, and he's going to be coming to um, talk to us a little bit about CARA, the mission down in Haiti that we support. So that's what we're going to do tonight, but a week from tonight, which will be November 20th, and will be our last Wednesday night before our Thanksgiving break for a week. That night, what we'll be taking a look at is the different titles of Jesus found in Revelation. We're, we're kind of entering a different portion of Revelation, our Revelation study now, of not just looking at more of the controversial or the more debated passages, but now we're just going to look at the most encouraging passage from the book of Revelation and see what we can receive from them. So, um, hope you can join us tonight to, to listen to, to Jume September. And um, then the following week as we take a look at uh, the titles of Jesus from Revelation. Thank you for taking the time to listen.